0: Father, this evening we thank you for an opportunity to come before your throne of grace. We ask that today you speak to us, Lord. Minister to us in a clear and understandable manner. I pray above all that enlarge our hearts that will run the course of your commandments. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Did we all enjoy the Super Bowl? Did your favorite team win? (laughs) Amen. Okay, we are done with our series now on how to um, read and study the Bible. And uh, today I promised you a bonus teaching. That's what I'm going to do. Yep. open my notes okay so uh, we 've talked a lot about um, how to read and study the bible it 's in four parts so today there's a bonus teaching uh, to the four part series we 've done which is titled My responsibility uh, we 've said so much and I will not be able to do um, too much recap because of the time. But the, I just want to touch on the dynamics of Bible studying again. We 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 talked about five rules there. Uh, one, invest in a good study Bible. That's very important. We all have to have a reading Bible, and we also have to have a study Bible. And there are good ones and there are bad ones. So get a very good one, invest in a very good one, and, and use it. Thank God for the internet now. Many of these things are now free. You know, so you can even study the Bible online. Amen. So that that's, that's also good. Uh, number two, have a plan of studying. So the contributor mentioned all the seven. Microscopic, expository, narrative, topical, character, study, emphatic study, book study. All these are different modes of studying. So when you are studying the Bible, what mode do I want to use? Do I want to do microscopic? Just go through the scriptures. My, my, my last message I preached, that was last week, Sunday. I realized that I, I basically used microscopic to prepare that message. That's all. Uh, that's all. There's reference, 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 reference. And then a sermon was built out of it, all that I preached. Amen. So what what, what what mode of study are you going to use? Amen. And uh, that's important. Now, last week, um, Pastor Jessica did interject that emphatic study is the same as word study, but I will beg to differ. Uh, when I talk about emphatic study, I'm not just talking about word study. I'm talking about when you are reading a book of the Bible, what is your emphasis? You understand? So it's not really the same. So some so let's say you are reading the gospels. What's going to be your emphasis whilst you are going through Matthew to John? Is your emphasis going to be on what Jesus said? Is your emphasis going to be on the miracles he did? Is your emphasis going to be on his leadership skill? Or if or is his emphasis going to be on just one particular word, maybe God? Maybe the son of God. So, so when I talk about emphatic, it's different. It, it goes beyond words. Which now leads me to my eighth mode of Bible study. Bible word study. That's also very important. So when Pazeska said that, it also gave me an idea. So you, one way of which counsel study the Bible is also to look at words and then study them. You understand? So you look at a word, Mercy. I'm going to study that word on mercy. So now, eight modes of study. So Bible word study is also one. Amen. Uh, number three, know how to use Bible aids. The average Christian sees Bible is like, oh, uh, it's beyond me. It's, it's not. It's easy. Learn how to use them. And then the last two, very important. Rely on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when, 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 when studying. And number five, Bible study is also a time of prayer. It's also a time. Never, never forget that. Because if these last two are missing, that is the difference between a school teacher and a Bible teacher. See, if you just focus on the three, you and the lecturer, you, there is no difference between the two of you. But what actually cuts one above the other and has a certain niche and a certain potency is point 0.4 and point 0.5 so rely on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when studying otherwise your, your your interpretation of scripture will be very technical too technical and like I said there is a technical aspect to it but let's learn to marry the technical aspect of Bible studying and the dynamism and the inspiration of the Spirit together to, to give you a dynamic teaching edge Amen. So four and five, very important. If four and five, you don't practice five. If you also don't learn how to bathe your study in prayer, in real prayer, your, your message is not going to be effective. Amen. Paul, Paul, Paul was, an, was, was a very effective minister, not just because he studied, but he prayed. Okay, he was a man of prayer. So that really helped. Otherwise, if that was not there, he would just be like a Pharisee amen. So four and five are very important. I want to believe we are all studying the Bible by putting into practice what we have heard. I think that's really the main thing, studying and practicing what we have heard. One of the best ways for you to get time out of your study is just to set aside maybe just one day, one day a week. So out of the seven days, I'm just going to have us just one day a week just to specifically study the Bible. And, and that will help. Uh, we have to overcome that hindrance of poor time management. Otherwise, we will never do it. Amen. There are many hindrances to quiet time, a personal quiet time with God. And one of them is poor time management. Amen. Do you want me to teach on that next week? Hindrances to uh, quiet time? You can do that if you want me to. I will do that. Amen. Are you all Amen. interested? Are you all interested in that next week? Because next week yeah. I was going to actually going to teach on something there. But if you are interested, then I will do it. Amen. So this teaching is by popular request. I I uh, so uh, probably I'll do it. Oh, I want to know do you want me to do it or I should just teach on what I want to teach? Yes, we want you to do it. Oh okay, all right, okay. That then yes, next yes. the next week okay then next week i'll do it then amen hindrances to a a personal quiet time amen
1: good Good. all right
0: yeah yesterday i i read an article by a certain pastor and he quoted a statistic so i just want to read those stats and he was actually quoting them from american bible society so when i finished reading the article i just Uh, went straight to the American Bible Society website, and I saw the whole survey there. It's a 10-year survey report. So I think they started in 2009, and and they they concluded in 2019, and then put the report together in July 2020. And this is very fascinating to know. 9% of Americans read their Bible every day. Can you believe it? Only 9%. So, the rest of the 91%, less 9% read their Bibles every day. This is the lowest figure they have ever reported. Lowest. Ever. Of all the surveys they've done, this is the lowest. So, it's quite worrying. If you go to the American Bible Society, you can see all this survey there. But, the good news... of American adults are considered Bible curious. That means they are very hungry to learn more about scripture. So that's, that's the good thing about it. 67.8. And now the data also show that more Americans. Now, when they did the survey, before they concluded July, 2020, they, they added this piece to it, that, Many Americans are exploring the Bible for the first time after the pandemic hits than ever before. I I don't know, but when the pandemic hit earlier, you know, between March, April, May, it was very serious and very scary. People were just dying in drops. One of the things that got finished were Bibles. I don't know if you ever noticed that, you know, it, it was in the news quite a lot. Like when they go to the stores, what they picked up most was the Bible just ran out. So um, literally, millions of Americans are hungry for the word. So the reason why American Bible Society did this survey, their their conclusion is, even though it's only 9% of Americans that read the Bible every day, the overwhelming majority of people want the word. So American Bible Society, this survey, they did it to challenge pastors and church leaders what plan do you have for your congregation? What plans do you have for Bible seekers to ground them in spiritual truth? So when I read this, you know, I was like, wow. And I was praying that Lord lead um, Leaders along the paths where we will meet people who are truly hungry for the word. And we will get to share the word. And, and, and it's not just me. All of us. So it's incumbent upon all of us to really study the word and and take it very seriously because you don't know who you may come across. You may come across maybe one of those 67.8%. You may never know who in, in in that percentage. So let's get ourselves ready to really minister God's word to people who are thirsty and people who are hungry. Amen. Um. I'm very passionate about this message because I think of, of, of all the messages I'll preach this year, this to me is the most important, how to read and study the Bible. And I'm sure I'm going to preach it again and again and again because it's that important, Pastor. because once you are able to read and study the Bible, it's a gateway to knowing who Jesus Christ is in your life. Amen. I want to believe that you've also bought the book, Protection from Deception. You know, I think Thursday, I did send you guys a resource material, the whole church. Please look at those resource material and then plan how to study the Bible accordingly. Amen. All right. So now let's go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. this chapter gives tribute to the word of god and uh, this is the longest verse in the bible no longest chapter in the bible it has 176 verses the longest chapter in the bible is in psalm 119 amen so i implore you to read the chapter in your spare time or listen to it in your in audio format amen yeah do that you know, when I, was, when I was thinking about this, I thought of one uh, theologian. His name is called Martin Lloyd-Jones. I said if this was Martin Lloyd-Jones, he, he will preach it. He doesn't care. He's a very wild, one of the Odin preachers. He preached the book of Romans for six years. He's, when we talk about expository teacher, he's one of the best. Can you Can you imagine? Six years, the book of Romans, verse by verse by verse by verse by verse. By verse. His messages are just Bible. He just picks it and he just does So when I'm like, oh, it's Martin Lloyd-Jones. He doesn't care. He will just read all the 176. He's like, when we talk about expository teacher, that that's him. Yeah. So Psalm 119, verse 9 to 16. So out of the 176 verses, we are just tackling seven verses. Amen. And out of that, I'm going to talk on what I call my responsibility. And you understand why? I titled it that. I'm reading. How can a young man cleanse his way, by taking heed according to your word? With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart, that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I' have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I'll delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So you know, right here, there are certain words that I use for the Bible. You see words like commandments, you see words like Statutes, you see word like judgments, you see word like testimonies, you see word like precepts, and you see word like your ways. All these represent the Bible, or the Word. Amen. Now I want us to turn our attention to David on some important habits he had to the Word, and we can take a leaf out of that. Amen. I I title this my responsibility so when you receive the word of god it is your responsibility what you do with the word it's not the responsibility of the preacher it's not the responsibility of the speaker per se it's not the responsibility of an author if you read his book it is your responsibility to how you will act according to the word and there are some few pointers i just want us to pick from these seven verses we have read and let's see what God will make out of this. Okay. So the first one is taken from verse nine. How can a young man cleanse his way? The answer is given by taking heed according to your word. Another word for taking heed means will be. So number one, obedience it's your responsibility to respond to the word by obeying the word the essence of studying and reading the bible coming to church listening to a message is to obey the word obedience causes growth in the life of a believer if you don't practice the word you will be lawless you know you you, you will be lawless and uh, it, it happens amen so when you receive the word of god make it a point that you will practice the word. That's the only thing. Every word of God that we receive, have a mind that I am going to practically apply the word to my life. And that's what David did. So obedience, it calls upon us to obey the word of God. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27. You know, when you read Matthew chapter 7, Jesus once said that, He will say to people who will say, Lord, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. And he will say, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. You who practice lawlessness. And before Jesus spoke about that, he spoke about a tree. A good tree will bring forth good fruits. A bad tree will bring forth bad fruits. So you see right there, Jesus is talking about if you call yourself a Christian there has to be some corresponding action, obedience. And then after he has spoken about these things, he talked about a certain story, just an illustration to paint his point. So the whole Matthew chapter seven right there, the latter verses is talking to us about obedience. If you call yourself a Christian, you have to obey the word of God. It's it's incumbent upon you to obey the word of God. It's your responsibility. Matthew 7 verse 24 to 27. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The floods came, the rains descended, and the winds blew. So notice, rain, floods, winds. They all came. And the house did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Rains, floods, winds, they all came and it fell, and great was its fall. So, when you become a Christian, you are not promised a rain-free life, a flood-free life, or a wind-free life. Y'all not promised that. The winds will still come. The floods will still come. The rains will still come. It's, it's inevitable. But what you will have to do is to prepare yourself in such a way that when these harsh realities and challenges of life come, you will stand strong. And Jesus says that the person who is able to stand during tough times, during challenging times, during times of adversity, is the one who practically applies the word of God to his life. When you apply the word of God to your life, you grow. And, and one of the, the signs of growth is that you are not easily shaken or disturbed when the challenges of life hits you christianity doesn't exempt us from challenges it doesn't exempt us from troubles you go through it but one way by which you'll be able to stand strong is your obedience taking heed according to the word so anytime you hear the word of god and you practice you read your devotion you practice you hear the word on sunday at church you practice You hear the word on Wednesday at church. You practice. You listen to the word of God, probably in your car, wherever. You practice. You are building your life. Your life is equivalent to a house being built on a rock. And when the times of trouble come, you are the one that is going to stand. So people, believers who who crumble under pressure, probably are not where-doers. They are not obedient and it will show, amen. The person who doesn't build his house, the Bible says that when the winds, the rains, the floods descended, everything fell. So ladies and gentlemen, let's build our lives by obeying the word of God. David did that, that was his responsibility and let that be our first responsibility to how we respond to the word, amen. I remember one time Pastor Jessica and I went to a program and we went to this man of God who we really respect, okay, Dr. Ben Sotabel, those who are Ghanaians will be very familiar with him. Amen, great man of God uh, worldwide. So we went and he preached on developing a 20-year plan, right? When we we got home like 11 p.m., when we got home, we said we are going to draw a plan that's it. There's no, there's no need saying tomorrow. So one, one of the problems why you will postpone your thing is tomorrow. Tomorrow sometimes can be a very bad word. We sat down from 11 till 3 a.m. And we drip. We were brain tired, but we did it. Can you believe that now? Seven years have come. Seven years. And the funny thing is that we have friends that went to the program with us. We asked all of them, have you drawn your, your program? None of them. None of them. So what is the point of hearing the word of God and not practicing it? You understand? So make it a point that when you hear the word of God, you respond now. The, the Bible says that when you hear the voice of God, harden not your heart. Harden not your heart. Hearken to the voice of God now. I'm paraphrasing it. Immediate action. Swift response. Otherwise, by the time you realize it's gone. I asked. We asked. After one year, have you drawn the plan? No. After two years, after them, I said, Look, they are not going to draw it. Two years after, they won't draw it. But what I'm trying to say is that when you hear the word of God, put it in your mind that I am going to execute it accordingly. That's how your, your life grows. Amen. So... Please put the word of God into practice. Amen. Don't come and say, oh, pastor, the word bless me. The word will bless you when you obey it. That's the real blessing. James chapter one, verse 25. We've read that scripture a few times. It will bless you when you obey it. Amen. Number two, verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. The second thing that we have to realize is operate the word of God from conviction. Operate the word of God from conviction. Yesterday, a thought came to me when I was at work and I wrote it down. And this was the thought that came to my mind. graduate from memorizing verses to living the verse out of conviction. Okay, Because sometimes when you are able to memorize a verse, it's something you've given mental assent to. But when you are also able to live out the word that you are quoting, that you have memorized verbatim, you are doing that by conviction. It means you have hidden the word in your heart. And now there are many processes by which we hide the word in our hearts. I'm going to talk about one as we, we continue uh, on, on this journey. But as a Christian, if you really want to avoid sin, one of the things you have to do is that learn how to place the Word in your heart. You know, the, and, and placing the Word of God in your heart is no child's play. You know, if it was easy, it, everybody would do it. It's no child's play. You, you, you have to shift the Word of God from here to here that is your responsibility that's not a pastor's responsibility okay that is your responsibility you have to shift the word of god from here to here is see, if the word of god is here i guarantee you you will forget it until you go and read your notes but if the word of god is here you will never forget it because you will be acting from the seeds of your conviction which is your heart and anything that you are fully convinced and, and fully convicted about, you never forget it. you believe it. It's one thing to quote, abstain from sexual immorality. It's another thing to, to say it out of conviction. You see, that same verse, it, it can have two effects. You can just quote it verbatim. And that's mindless memorization. Or you can also speak it from your heart convincingly and you will not do it. And the Bible lets us know, when you hide the word in your heart, like David did, the Bible says, that I might not sin against you. So to avoid sin, you have to live this Christian faith with a sense of conviction. And that's what I preach in the first Sunday of the year. It's called a burning heart. So you have to be convinced Hide the word in your heart. You see, a series of repeated actions can cause the word to shift from your mind to your heart. A series of repeated actions. So, you are practicing the word, practicing the word, practicing the word. You are doing it by the heart. It will shift from your mind to your heart. Conviction. Too many Christians are not in this with conviction. And I remember when I was closing my thoughts, I said, heart rules over the mind in this matter. It's very important, heart rules. It's not about mind, it's it's heart over mind here. So let the word of God convict you. Hide the word in your heart. Many Christians can just do first base, it's in the mind. But they have not hidden the word in their heart. you have to hide the word in your heart and it comes when you are truly convicted when you live the word by conviction and not by mental assent you'll be a victorious christian and it will show in your overcoming ability of a son amen so hide the word in your heart It's your responsibility. Get the word from your mind. So everything I'm going to preach tonight is here. Now, after we log off, whatever you have to do, shift the word of God from your mind into your heart. If the mind of God is able to get into your heart, you will operate from a place of conviction than just giving mental assent. Amen. Let's look at the third one. Verse 13. With my lips, I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. With my lips, I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. Verse 13. Speak the word. Speak the word. We have to make it a habit of speaking the word daily. And that comes by memorization. So that's one of the effects of memorization. One of the effects of memorization is speaking the word. You, you have to make time to commit the scriptures to memory so that you'll be able to speak it and quote it. You know, when, when, when the devil tempted Jesus, you know everything Jesus said was in the word. It was in Deuteronomy. He was just quoting Deuteronomy. So suffice, suffice it to say, Perhaps, Jesus joined the fast. He might have been meditating on Deuteronomy. He, he, he quoted it. He just quoted it. No, Jesus didn't go and look for the scroll and now open. He had the word and he spoke it. And when he spoke the word to the devil, it became the sword of the spirit. And that's what defeated the devil. So when we are talking about the sword of the spirit, it's not Bible. The sword of the spirit is this being planted here and meditating on it strong enough for it to get here, and then speaking it from here. That's, that's the sort of the spirit. So you see the transition? You take this, you read it, it affects here. Then when you live the word convincingly, it gets here. And when it gets here, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So speak the word. Speak the, speaking the word is important. Speak the word to your mountain. Speak the word to your life. Speak the word to people. Speak it to the devil. Speak the word. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 1 to 4. I want you to see this. Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 1 to 4. We read the word to speak the word. You know there is a Bible called the Hebrew Syntax Bible, and when you read um, Genesis, where the Bible says that, um, now let me let me let me quote it right. Genesis chapter two. Verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now, if you read that in the Hebrew syntax Bible, this is how it quotes it. Man became another speaking spirit, just like God. Man became another speaking spirit, just like God. So, we are speaking spirits. So we read the word. One of the effects that we read the word to speak it forth. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat that scroll. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. So I ate, and it was in my mouth like honey in sweetness. Then he said to me, Go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. See, there's the prophet. He has some sort of a vision of the word of God like a scroll. And the Lord was telling him to eat the word. And why was he going to eat that scroll or eat the word? He, he was eating it for just one purpose, to speak it. So, Ezekiel adds the word just to speak the word. You can't speak the word of God if you don't have anything in your inner man, your belly, your spirit. So, feed your spirit the word of God so that you will be able to speak forth the word. And speaking the word is very different from a New Age positive confession. You don't even lump them in the same brackets. Speaking the word has to do with agreeing with God's word, submitting to God's mind and counsel, and then confessing the same thing. That's what speaking the word does. Now, when it comes to New Age confession, it has more to do with words of affirmation to yourself. You end up becoming the God of your life. And that's not what speaking the word a New Age Confession does. Although they may look very similar, but they are not the same. There are some critics, when you speak the word of God, they want to call it New Age Confession. But that is so different. It's, so de- it's not even the same. And one of the reasons why New Age Confession is so popular is because of one of America's favorite books of all time. You know, America has a favorite book. It's called The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. You know, he wrote that book in 1952 and they started this New Age phenomenon. And New Age is not of God. You can't compare confessing scriptures and then making um, self-affirming remarks about yourself. They, they are really not the same. They are, they are not the same. They can't they are not in the same brackets amen so speak the word it's very important amen speak the word learn how to speak the word david after reading the word of god after letting the word of god get into his heart he says with my lips i will declare the judgments of god learn how to speak the word declare the word of god of every situation speak to your life you will make it you will prosper you and your house shall be saved great is the peace, great is the peace of those that love the Lord speak the word over your life speak the word to every mountain that you see Jesus said it if you speak to this mountain and what was the mountain at that time you see the mountain there was a figurative expression Because you have to read the context of that scripture. The mountain that the disciples were dealing with was a demoniac. That was the mountain at that time. Speak the word. So eat the word, speak the word. And when you speak the word, it becomes the sword of the spirit. Amen. So number one, obedience. Number two, hide the word. Number three, speak the word. Number four, verse 14. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. So the fourth thing that we learned from David is delight in the word. Delight in the word. See, David David loved the word so much that he even compared it to riches. He said, I've rejoiced in the testimony, in the words of your testimony. An apathetic attitude to the word is a turn off. You can't receive what you are indifferent to. Sometimes your countenance, your mood and attitude, all these are indicative of whether you truly delight in the word. Do you delight in reading the word of God? Look at the zeal with which you watch Netflix. There's nothing wrong having a Netflix account. I have a Netflix account. We watch Netflix. it's yeah, nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong going to the cinema. I go to the cinema with my wife. I like watching movies. Nothing wrong about it. But the same joy that you have with your pastimes, Do you have the same joy when you pick up the word of God to read? Are you as excited? Like, you know, this Super Bowl, the Sunday it came. Some people just went crazy. Are you that crazy about the word of God? Do you have that same passion? Do you have that same passion? So, delight in the word. You know, sometimes we delight in other things, that when it comes to the word, we are so indifferent. You know, so indifferent. Sometimes the word comes, we are absent-minded, we are distracted. And even now, even Zoom. I'm not even saying our church. But sometimes during the Zoom meeting, you can see that sometimes they can put the tin on, put it on black, and then they are doing other things, and they will miss the word completely. Completely. So it's an absent-minded distraction. I remember when Pastor Jessica was preaching on um, her her first message on 10th January. She, She talked about it in her third point, that because of distraction... We are not able to cultivate a proper and a personal relationship with God. We are, we are distracted. There are too many things that call for attention. Too many things that arrest our attention. That we can't focus and center our attention on God's word. It's no, no delight. No delight. Amen. Jeremiah, Jeremiah, when he was called by God to go and preach, you know what God told him? He says, don't be afraid of their faces. <laughs> so sometimes someone's face alone can let you know whether the person delights in what you are saying or not. If you look at the Amplified uh, Version, it says, don't be afraid of their hostile faces. Yeah, so some people can be hostile, you know, their faces of hostility It's not of joy. It's not of joy. So delight in the word of God. There is something that happens when you delight in the word of God. When you delight in the word of God, it shows in your sitting posture. When you delight in the word of God, it shows in how attentive you are. And you are able to even repeat the message to the person. That means you are interested in what he has to say. Are you going to chat to people who are not interested in what you see? I will not chat to anybody who is not interested in what I have to say. I'll be very honest to you. I will not. I will not even waste my time at all. My time is very precious. And if you are disinterested in what I have to say, what should make me continue talking? Delight in the word of God. Not, none of it, all of us want to feel important. All of us want to feel that you have a vested interest in what I have to say. What about God have an interest in what God has to say to you through his word. David said, I rejoiced in the way of your testimony as much as in all riches. So, delight in the word. Let it show your mood, your countenance, your attitude. All these are indicative of delight. Amen. Let's look at the fifth thing verse 15 i will meditate on your precepts so in verse 15 there are two things that we will look at so let's look at the first one meditation and what what was the mean of meditation it means to think on ponder over roll the word in your mind and speak it to yourself so when you look at the old testament that word meditation this is what it means think on ponder over roll the word in your mind speak it to yourself think on so when you meditate you think on the word number two or you the, it, 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 think or ponder both are the same right so you think on the word you ponder over the word you are thinking about the word you roll the word in your mind. You think about it. You, you think about the word of God. That is meditation. And then speaking it to yourself. Or being in a soliloquy. More like you are trying to memorize a poem. You know, you're memorizing a poem, you just be speaking to yourself. I quite remember when I was in high school. Sometimes when I'm studying, I used to study with some literature students. I, I didn't do literature, uh, but I know some people did literature. And they would just be pacing back and forth under the tree and they'll be speaking to themselves they're speaking to themselves you know speaking you know the evil that men do they are quoting shakespeare they're just walking the pace and back and forth that's meditation speaking the word to yourself i remember i saw that it, it used to be a scene for me sometimes i'm studying i'll just stop and i'll just be looking at that i say wow Late. Late can get you crazy, man. Just pacing back and forth. They are quoting Julius Caesar, you know, and all those things. So speak the word to yourself. You're yeah, in a soliloquy. Sometimes I, I do that a lot. Sometimes I just speak the word to myself. I engage in a conversation, speaking the word to myself. I'm meditating. It's a form of meditation. Meditation does, doesn't mean that you are just quiet. It doesn't mean speaking the word. Soliloquy. Amen. And it's different from Eastern meditation. Eastern meditation talks about emptying your spirit. Christian biblical meditation talks about filling your spirit rather with the word of God. Amen. So meditate. We can all meditate. Think on the word. Roll the word in your mind. Speak it to yourself. And the result of meditation is what we read in verse 11. Your word, have I hidden my heart? So meditation is the bridge from the word traveling from your mind into your heart. Meditation is the bridge. Okay? So anytime you meditate, you are transitioning the word from your mind into your heart. And once the word gets into your heart, you will begin to practice it with a sense of agency and with a sense of conviction amen so let's all believe in practicing meditation i recommend pastor jessica's message on meditation amen she preached a very powerful message on meditation probably three or four years ago i don't even remember i don't remember the year but i remember the message amen so it will do you good to listen to it again you you will get the whole big spill on meditation amen now let's look at the second part of verse 15 for our sixth point and contemplate your ways. The word contemplate here means to look into, it means to research, it means to read upon. Okay, so this is talking about looking into the word, contemplate, looking into the word. You have to develop a daily habit of reading the word, it will take discipline a schedule and a reading plan for that to happen. So you, you don't just read the Word, look into the Word. You, you have to be disciplined about it. Be, be disciplined. You have to have a schedule. Okay, When will you do it? When? You have to have a schedule. And then, someone said I froze. Don't worry, I recorded it, so I'll send a message. Amen. And then, you will have to have a reading plan. Okay? Sometimes, the Bible reading becomes hard for certain people because they don't have a reading plan. They have a reading plan. They just open anywhere where the Spirit of God leads me, I'll read. Amen. It, it, it doesn't work. Have a plan. You know, sometimes when we talk about the Spirit, the Spirit is also strategic. The Spirit believes in plan. There are some people who believe that the Spirit is just moving, you know, the Holy Spirit's No. Holy Spirit believes in order. Amen. Have a plan. Have a reading plan. Have a schedule. When are you going to do it? I'm going to do it Monday. Okay. What particular time or hour of Monday are you going to do it? Have have a schedule. Be, Be very detailed to the to you know, be very detailed and plan it to the T and then do it. Amen. So look into. David contemplated on the ways. You know, I I started off by saying that one of the names for the word is the ways. David contemplated, looked into, in looking at Hebrew word. So look into the word. Look into the word. Have a plan. What are you going to do tomorrow? What, how many minutes have you carved aside for yourself to look into the word? Let that be a daily habit. Amen. When you look into the word daily, you will experience the blessing of reading the word. Amen. But sometimes when you are just going to do it erratic today, you do it tomorrow, you don't do it. You will never be able to harness the power that comes from consistent Bible reading. Amen. So let's go through our six points again before I round up with seven. So our scripture was taken from Psalm 119 verse 9 to 16. So, number one, obedience, verse 9. Number two, hide the word, verse 11. Number three, speak the word, verse 13. Number four, delight in the word, verse 14. And in verse 15, we see two of them for number five and number six. So, number five is meditation and number six is look into. So, now we go to our last verse, which is verse 16 for our seventh point and we are done. I will delight myself in your statue. see, David was always happy and will not forget your word. So number seven, forget not. Forget not. You have to be a good steward of the word, okay? Don't forget the word. Write notes. Listen to messages. Personally, when, when I don't preach and when someone preaches, maybe Pastor Jessica, Pastor Robert, or a guest speaker, in between Sunday to Sunday, I would have listened to the message a minimum five times. My wife is my witness. I, I do it all, all the time. It's just a discipline. I just listen to the word over and over and over and over. Even sometimes she even gets tired. Like, wow, you are playing the word again. You, you, you listened to this just yesterday. I'm, I'm just playing it. It's just habit. Any message I hear, I'm just going to play it. If Bishop comes here and I'm just going to play In between Sunday to Sunday, I will listen to it a minimum five times. A minimum. Because it could be more. And my last time I normally listen to a message is Sunday morning before church. I always listen to a message Sunday morning before church. Sometimes when we are having breakfast, I'm listening to a message. Listen to the message over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again. Amen. And the message will sink forget not the message. Okay. Amen. So let's be good stewards of the word. For me, I don't think I have a sharp memory. I don't think so. I think what I, I do is that I just like to learn. That's all. If you, if you learn it over, you do forget. And also write notes. It's one of the best ways not to forget a message, to write notes. Write notes and then read your notes. Anytime I don't preach, I write notes, either on my phone or my iPad. I always write notes, anywhere I go. Every pastor's retreat that our bishop has had, I have the notes till today. I, I write notes. Wherever I go, if Pastor Jessica preaches, I'll write notes. If Pastor Robert preaches, i write notes. If a guest speaker preaches, i write notes. If I go for a program somewhere, i write notes. I'll just pick up my phone and then start typing in the notes column i believe in writing us and and by doing that the message will sink forget not so it's our responsibility ladies and gentlemen to obey the word of god it's our responsibility to hide the word it's our responsibility to speak the word it's our responsibility to delight in the word it is our responsibility to meditate on the word it's our responsibility to look into the word, it's our responsibility to forget not the word. Please take ownership of the word of God. You receive incorporate meetings on your personal and quiet times with the Lord by being responsible. And that is what we learned from David tonight. How he handled the word with responsibility. I'm done for tonight. Amen. Four minutes on the clock questions contribution um i have one question okay yeah and it has to do with um getting the word in your heart or hiding the word in your heart so i think you mentioned when it to number five when you mention meditation that it's one of the ways by which the word gets into your heart are any other are there any other ways or i mean what so I want to know how you you get the word in your heart is it by just meditation or are there any other um ways by which we can get the word not just be in our heads but then in our hearts amen. So um, acting, acting on the truth of what you heard is also one way. When you act on the word of God, you have taken ownership of the word. Sometimes I hear certain statements that make me laugh. Sometimes when a preacher preaches a message, you will say, sow a seed into the word to take ownership of the word. It's not biblical. You, you, you can't sow a seed to take ownership of the word. The way you take ownership of the word is to run with the word. That's by practicing it and practice the word you take ownership of the word amen you don't take ownership of the word by so easy it's, it's nowhere biblical it sounds very spiritual but it's not biblical amen so one of the ways to do that is applying the word of god that's why the bible says when you hear the word of god harden not your heart harden not your heart so obey the word of god because there is something about obeying the word of god the more you obey the word of god the more you will get more revelation on the truth that you have obeyed. So sometimes revelation doesn't just come by studying, but it just comes by childlike, obedient faith. Just practicing the word of God, that alone will give you more revelation. And anything that the Spirit of the Lord will give you revelation upon, it's it's going to be sort of an an, an epiphany in your Christian experience. You will never forget it. Amen. So practicing the word of God is one way. Amen. Who else? Is your question answered?
1: Yes, thank you very
0: much. Okay.
1: Uh, I have the, maybe two. It's a, both a question and maybe an addition. Uh, so to Robert's, um, how do we get our, the word more in our heart um, practicing the word, I think meditating, because um, you know, experience when we experience the word, when we experience it working, it gets more into your heart, um, and um, and then delighting in the word, obviously, because I think that it kind of works, kind of they kind of all work hand in hand. Yeah? I like how you said it was a bridge, you know, and I think that that's. Um, a big thing so saying that because I was thinking about it um, how do we how do we delight ourselves in God's word more does that make sense yeah because um, sometimes you can get really uh, like monotonous you know it, like just becomes something you just do sometimes out of habit but way not you
0: know, happy about. It. Yeah. um Making time for it. That's one way. Making time for it. Having a desire and having a priority. If you want, for example, you know, you don't just enjoy a friendship. You don't just enjoy a friendship. It takes time. You have to prioritize it. You have to desire it and and you you have to work at it and it's the same thing with the word desire prioritize it but because anything you don't make time for you will not delight in it that's that's a fact so at a time re, time really speaks of your priority so make it a priority then you will enjoy it and and then doing it regularly Because you can never experience the joy of the Word of God if you don't have a regimen to do it daily. You won't won't enjoy it. If it becomes very erratic, today I read it, I don't read it, three days later, five days, I read. it it will get too dry for you. You have to harness some consistency in that habit to experience the joy of the Word. And when you experience the joy of the Word, you you will get to do it. And, And also praying about it. You know, the Bible says um, in Psalm 23 verse 2, He leadeth, um, um, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Okay? Sheep, their meal is pasturage. So pray that the Lord will give you a certain desire to just like the word. So you can also pray about it. Amen. So so we say then,
1: um, it's kinda of like a slow process.
0: Does yeah. it take time then basically? Uh like eating vegetables? It like take, sometimes the first time, you know, like you gotta it, keep it takes time. Uh, it takes time. Yeah. Amen. Alright. Time yeah. is done, okay? I'm done. Uh, I want us to pray for Pastor Robert, his wife, uh, Minister Lily, and their child, their son, Daryl. I um they'll be out of state for the weekend they're on their family engagement okay so i just want us to pray um traveling mercies, god's protection and god's favor upon them that he will bring them back safe he will, he will take them to where they are going their destination and bring them back home safe and sound. let's pray for them father we thank you we give you praise bless your holy name we thank you for traveling mercies. as we unite in the spirit of faith in one accord as a household of faith, we pray for Pastor Robert Minister Lily and I we ask for your traveling message, so oh Lord. We pray for great grace and great favor upon them. We pray for your protection upon them. We thank you that they will go and they will come back safe and sound. And I pray that may they be a blessing to whoever they encounter. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Father, we thank you tonight as we've come before your word. We pray that you will give us the fortitude, enlarge our hearts, Lord, to obey your word, to practice your word, to see the fruits of whatever we have learned tonight. And Father, we pray for the NCs as they are traveling, Lord. we Thank you for traveling mercies. We thank you for your protection upon them. We thank you for your favor that's upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Good night, guys. Blessings.